Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. NFTs are floating in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is you have now joined Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the blockchain and my co-host, Michael Keane. We have a special interview today. Today, we are interviewing Betty from Deadfellas, one of the co-founders of Deadfellas. Uh, which has been around since August of last year. Um, and Betty, we're super excited to have you on the show. I actually remember I literally messaged you like months ago, like trying to get you on. And so I'm super excited to have you here today with us. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Um, I also would like to take a moment to acknowledge that amazing intro track. So cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, Carlos, shout out to It's Just Los on Twitter, uh, made yep. that for us when we first started this podcast. And uh, it just gets us hype every time. So we have to play it in the beginning. Yeah, before. I feel like I'm like, yeah, getting amped up, like entering the ring or something. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It, like, it puts you in the zone, puts you in the zone. Yeah. Um, okay, so Michael, Michael, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm excited for the episode. Betty, thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, I actually listened to uh, Carly Rally's podcast, Overpriced JPEGs, which, by the way, we had her on the show. We did a collab episode uh, several weeks back. Um, and her first, I didn't even realize, her first episode ever of the Overpriced JPEGs was her interviewing you, Betty. And I literally like listened to that whole thing. And so that was kind of my homework, my preparation for this. So shout out to Carly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Kylie and I love Overpriced JPEGs. I think it's a that's a great show. It is. Yeah. So, okay, so you are one of the co-founders of Deadfellas, which minted on August 13th, which was a Friday the 13th. Yes. Um, and, and you planned that as well. Yes. Um, and there were 10K <laughs> of them for 0.025 ETH. You said you wanted to make them accessible and affordable for people, which I thought was great. Uh, and the floor is now currently 1.87 ETH and, you know, has been pretty solid for the last, you know, several months. Before Deadfellas, you said you were a creative producer running agencies in the corporate setting. Um, you were making animations, graphics, etc. for some of the biggest brands in the world. Can you share with us the story on how this all started for you? Yeah, totally. So, um creatively psych so psych is my husband and the co-founder and artist for dead fellas so creatively um i guess professionally and personally art and just being involved in creative industry has been something that we've always done together um so we have you know either been doing that for other people or for ourselves and um it it just proved not to be pandemic proof. I think a lot of people in the creative industry suffered a lot with the pandemic. We had a lot of our larger contracts canceled immediately with the the lockdowns and everything, which was really difficult. 
So anyway, in January of last year, um, some artists from a collective that Psych has been in for many years now um, called Depthcore. It's like a digital art collective. It's wonderful. Some of the artists contacted him and, you know, said, you should get into this NFT thing. It's it's really amazing. And um, he explained it to me and I was like, light bulb moment. It was just immediately something that was, I don't know, it just felt like the clouds had parted. I was like, what is this amazing thing? Let's, we jumped right in. Um, he started making NFTs just of his personal art. And um, I was just heavily lurking, <laughs> heavily, heavily lurking on Twitter and, um, and Discord. That's really just how we got into it. I found it really inspiring. I found it really amazing that people were coming together all over the world to build something new as like an answer to a lot of the problems that we um, faced thus far. So, yeah. And what were some of the things that you felt like NFTs solved as far as you just said, oh, you know, solves a lot of problems, you know, uh, versus in the Web2 world and the corporate setting. What are some of those problems that, that, that Web3 and NFTs solve? Well, I think over, over many years, me personally, but also on a larger scale, we've seen the exploitation of creativity um, by corporations and, you know, large organizations. Creative people bring value to brands and to products and to services and to the world, really. And that's been completely undervalued for a very, very long time. So even for us, like a lot of the things that we've put out there have never been credited to us. Um, because that's just the nature of the game and you know it's been fine but then you'll see so, <laughs> so the first time we ever saw Sykes personal artwork like printed on an item was at a market we went to a market and someone <laughs> someone had gotten the image off the internet and printed it on underwear <laughs> they were selling it in the market let's um, go <laughs> yeah. That's so, I mean, that's an example, you know, no credit, no nothing, just, and that's, that's kind of what it's been like forever. And I think that that provenance of being able to credit artists and provide them autonomy around how they value their own work and how they're received in the world and what they produce and, you know, how their voice is shared. It's, it's very empowering. I think it lends itself to um, self-sovereignty and it, it really challenges a lot of the structures that um, I think a lot of us were crumpling under before just a real shift of power and uh, I think it's just great wow uh, seeing seeing your art on underwear that is interesting and then yeah <laughs> so no royalties for that underwear that underwear sale there was no royalties that your husband got <laughs> no none zero zero yeah, that's that's the beauty of Web3 and, you know, things now. It's like the fact that you can get royalties on, you know, like every sale after the initial sale, you get, you know, a, a bit of a portion of that. And that's like something totally like new for artists. And um, I mean, I'm not even really, you know, much into the art scene or, you know, an artist uh, in Web2 or Web3 or in real life. You know, I'm just a collector, but um, I see how amazing that is, you know, for artists right now and and for people to be able to to make things that can stand the test of time and, you know, people can collect. And even when they're dead, they're like, they're like kids can like earn on what they created, which is like incredible. Yeah. I will say though, that like you saying you're just a collector, I wouldn't put it like that because without people like you, 
the art that is being put out wouldn't be going anywhere, you know, like it wouldn't be appreciated. It wouldn't. So it's, I think that the whole movement has provided people a home and a new avenue to be appreciated, like digital art. I mean, Sykes been creating digital art forever since, since the minute that, you know, he opened a program on a computer that could create art, like, and it's only ever been made for art's sake and for, the furthest it's gone for his personal art is like likes on on social media or or for nothing just to keep and just to make and so now it's like this brand new vehicle you know allowing digital artists to connect and form communities and camaraderie and it's just so great it's just so great new pockets of culture I'm here for it absolutely Michael you want to say anything yeah nah so so then obviously you guys uh you come up with the idea for dead fellas and you get it ready to come out you know back in august when you guys released this it was a whole different era in in nft projects but i'm looking at it now i mean you guys have 6200 owners that's a lot like talk about if you don't mind the kind of is there pressure behind that do you do you like I know a lot of people now, you know, they put out a project and all of a sudden people expect them. It's like a business and you need what's coming next. What are you guys doing? It was a little different back in August. Um, can you speak to kind of how things have changed, if that's affected your project um, and how you feel about all that? Yeah, it's so it is so funny because the space is constantly shifting. It's this living yeah. organism that changes with it's it's wild and you have to be so adaptive and so flexible and you know pivot constantly while staying true to the vision that you had to start off with i will say that um treating it as a business was something that we set out doing initially and i think it's mm-hmm. because of how we run our own creative ventures prior to dead fellas like we just brought that attitude with us to this and so we were kind of primed for it together so the pressure that we feel um you know while there is real pressure there I don't think it's the same as maybe some of the people that have launched projects that didn't come in with that experience because I I can imagine it being actually quite distressing you know you yeah have the skills and the the know-how and the connections to launch a project successfully but it's a very very different thing to run it and to keep running it through that that completely shifting landscape like you know things could be completely different next week or the week after and you have Mm -hmm. to pivot to that it's um yeah it's interesting but it's very exciting I find it quite thrilling and I think that um you know throughout our lives personally we've kind of thrived on change we never really settle for anything and we don't like to get stuck in the same thing so for us it's kind of great nice yeah it's good to hear so that was originally your thought was you know because I know a lot of projects they kind of like it was the thing to start up and put out a project and like, Oh, now I have to run it. Like Jennifer and I have said before, kind of it's not easy to launch and sell out a project, but the hard work starts afterward, after you've gotten the money, you know, then it really, it. It really starts. No, yeah, that's, no, that's it. Yeah, for sure. But you guys have done an awesome job. I mean, I've been looking at this project a lot this week, knowing uh, that you're coming on, um, I saw the big news. We could talk about the the talent agency that signed uh, Dead Fellas. I'd like to kind of learn about that a little bit. And but uh, yeah, no, congratulations on the on the huge success of it. I mean, twenty seven thousand ETH traded. Like 
it's wild. Yeah, thank you. It is really wild. It's mind blowing. Um, yeah. When we when we conceptualized Dead Fellas, I didn't really have a doubt in my mind that it would be successful or or not. I I knew that it was going to be something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a matter of just staying in that determination. And there's a lot of things that are thrown at you day to day in this space um, that can, you know, put you off course and and really knock you about a bit as a founder. I think, but it's. Yeah, I do feel very confident and very happy with where we're going. Cool. Um, I saw that one of your collectors got a tattoo of their dead fellas, <laughs> Lady Eve. Mm. We got a shout out, Lady Eve. Um, they got their dead fellas tattooed on them. How does that make you feel? Like seeing somebody else with a tattoo of like your one of your NFTs and your project. I mean, it's not, or you know, it's their NFT, but still, like you know, you created the project, and it's like somebody literally just tattooed that on their body. <laughs> It's so wild. It's so wild. So we've been having people in our community get tattoos since like the second week. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. That was the first one I'd seen of Dead Fellas. I was like, oh my God. It was a big one too. It was like right in her arm. Yeah. Honestly, constant. Someone got a neck tattoo of their tiger. Someone like one of our mods, um, Panda, she's got two Dead Fellas tattoos. We've got people. It's just yeah, constant, um, which is kind of cool because Psych and I really love tattoos. as well as dead bells, obviously. So it's a bit of a beautiful uh, combination. It is wild though, the conviction and the the love um, for what we've made. It's, yeah, it's humbling and also really encouraging. And yeah, I love it. Are you going to get a dead fellas tattoo at some point? Uh, yeah, Psych already has two. I have I have a 13 oh, on me, but that was pre-dead fellas. <laughs> I, I need to get nice. mine. Yeah, that that's that's definitely. I don't have any tattoos, but I have seen a lot of people getting their NFTs tattooed on them, and I think that just goes to show how incredibly, um, you know, passionate people are about NFTs and then the NFTs that they collect. Like people are just so passionate about it. Totally. Well, I think tattoos are used. Tattoos are used like a, a communication tool in the same way that NFTs are. You know, we use them to show our belonging and to represent something. And I think that the communities that have been born from NFT projects really provide that for people. So it's like people are proud of it. You know, they it, mm-hmm. it's just so lovely. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, kind of changing the direction a bit here. I'm curious why you're anonymous. Um, because I, I have so many of, reasons. <laughs> oh my God, so many reasons. Can you yeah. tell us just, you know, a couple? Yeah. So, I mean, I won't be anonymous forever. That's the thing. So I'll be going to VCon. So I'll be like myself at events. Ah, I'll, I'll be on you, video things. And yeah, I'll meet you there. Um, and I'm, I'll be at NFT NYC and all of these events in real life uh yeah from may so i'm 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 actually a real person not a green um, <laughs> a green zombie but the reason why i wanted to start out the way i did and i'll still remain semi-anonymous is the main reason i'd say is my children um the internet is a wild place and combine that with uh crypto and the way that um you know it's male dominated space as well i felt like my own safety and the safety of my children, my three young children, I wanted to to keep that anonymity. I didn't really want to be completely accessible to everyone. And I think that that lends itself to the NFT space and the movement of Web3 in general. 
And I think it's it's respected as well, which is really nice. Um, another thing is it is back to that that male dominated thing. I didn't want to be received in a way where what I looked like or who I am as a person was preceded my work. If you know what I mean, like I didn't want the male gaze to be something that was that lend itself to how Dead Fellas was received or any of that sort of thing. So I just wanted to put myself out there with my work first. That's not to say that that's right or wrong or that, you know, people that do it differently are right or wrong. It's just what I wanted to do. Um, another thing is brand building, personal brand building. I wanted to be a flagship and an example of how someone can build a personal brand around the IP of their NFT. And I think I've done that successfully. So, yeah. Yeah, you definitely have. I mean, 72,000 followers on Twitter. You're speaking at VCon. You're, you know, a, a lot of people know you and you've really, yeah, for being completely anonymous, you've really built yourself up in this uh, in this space, which is awesome to see. But yeah, you know what that made me think about? I don't know if you know, do you know Rude Moose? Maybe mm. not. If, if you're not into uh, CryptoKitties or Top Shot, then you probably don't know her. But basically she is like, one of the first CryptoKitty users and she's she's been super helpful uh, on the CryptoKitties and Topshot team and recently joined the team and everything. But anyway, um, she's like a true OG in the space, has been here forever. And she would always go by the name of Rude Moose, which now she goes by Candy. And um, nobody knew, everybody just assumed she was a guy because, you know, her username was Rude Moose and it was just like a picture of a moose and it was like a black and white photo. And like, she, she likes that. And she was like, you know, I, I like that nobody assumed that I was a female because she just felt like there was all these, like, I don't know, judgments, or maybe they wouldn't take her as seriously. And she just like, felt like, you know, just being completely anonymous and even with her gender. And, um, and so, but she recently kind of came out of that and, and was like, you know what, like I'm candy. And, you know, she, she, she's shown herself in live streams now and everything. And, you know, everyone kind of knows, you know, who she is, but, but yeah, she kind of started out like, you know what, I just want to be nothing and nobody knows exactly who I am or what I am. And I think that's so interesting too. And uh, I think the space definitely started out with a lot more people that were, you know, completely and totally anonymous, you know, not even their first name, even, you know, users going by their punk ID and stuff like that. And I think the space has really evolved to where it's more of like an integration between, you know, you'll see people that are doxing themselves or, you know, they, they have their full name out there. And um, now, now it's a bit of a blend. And I'm curious to see how the space kind of evolves with, you know, people being anonymous and being I really am too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that as well, though, it's, it's really a cool thing to see that respect from people that you know say there's people at real life events but they're not fully doxxed like you'll always see them photoshopping their um avatar's head onto the person mm -hmm. when they post their photo online i just think that's like so cool to see that respect for it i think that demanding uh doxing from people while the space reflects the real world and that you know there's very real uh violence and unsafe spaces for people that have marginalized identities I think that anonymity is essential for a lot of people to be able to be safe and um you know mm -hmm. to feel comfortable navigating this so yeah it's really cool to see it all unfold anyway and um like I said it's all new so it's fun I'm enjoying it 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I was anonymous, <laughs> but I started out, that, that's what made me stand out so much in the beginning. Cause I started out fully not anonymous in my face and everything. And everyone was like, why is this person not anonymous? What the heck? <laughs> Uh, so it was actually really weird that I was like a docs person. <laughs> Seriously, oh, in the time, I was the only one with me and my sister. We had our actual profile pictures, which was like so nerdy. And everyone else had like, I don't know, some basketball player or whatever. And it was just like, um, <laughs> yes, hi, <laughs> we are here. Uh, but anyway, okay. So I saw the other day, maybe it was yesterday even, or the day before. I think it was yesterday. Uh, non-fungible fungi, which is, by the way, one of my favorite projects. We actually had Henry um, from non-fungible fungi on the show for an interview like a month or so back. Um, but the non-fungible fungi came out with honoraries and the very first honorary was awarded to you. So congratulations. I, it was so cute. Fungi ever with like little mini fungi. Like I'm assuming. Oh my you God. Just yes. running around. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, I, I love that project too. I think it's so cute. I remember uh, it was Fungible um, introduced me to it um, pre-mint and um, I was obsessed with, they had like a, you know, how oh, was it like the Genesis ones or the mythical ones, whatever the, the ones prior to the big one, the big mm. mint was. There was like a mum a mum mushroom and I just fell in love with it and I wanted it so bad. Um, but oh. I didn't end up getting it. But now I have this other Betty mom mushroom, which is the best thing ever. So yeah, very it happy. I love, I love their team. Yeah, they are awesome. Michael, did you want to say something? No, I mean, I wasn't necessarily, but I do eventually want to talk about the uh, the UTA signing with Dead Fellas. I'm kind of interested in oh. how that how that works. You know, what's what do it. you expect? To what come does that mean? Yeah. yeah, like uh, I mean, for like, is that something where you pay them as like a marketing agency or they sign you as the talent. And uh, what do we expect to come from that? Yeah. So UCA um, approached us and we had those conversations, um, got to know their team. I, the conversations flowed very well um, right off the bat. And I think it's because their team um, specifically our team that's led by uh Leslie Silverman and Caroline Hooman, mm -hmm. they're very much crypto NFT native. Like they, they really understand the space. They're part of the space. They've been here for a long time. Um, so their perspectives on things are really great and really align with our mission because they're, you know, they're coming from both worlds, which I feel we also are. And our mission to kind of cement ourselves as this pop culture brand, this force of you know, counterculture and social change and while being relevant and, you know, being in all of those spaces while also building in parallel in the metaverse and pushing innovation and trying to expand on the Web3 space and, you know, make it more equitable and open and interoperable, all those things. They understand that and they're through what they can facilitate with us, um, it will elevate that for us in many ways so while it's it's not like we're not using uta as like the primary driver of everything that we're doing they're an incredible team that we've got externally from us that are on our side and really you know with our best interests in mind we don't pay them um as a service it's like they signed us as as talent so mm -hmm. their their interests 
lie in how well we do, if that makes sense. Okay. Yep. Yep. Definitely makes sense. Yeah. So, and they're just, it's really great. It's just really great. We've had some amazing things happen already, which I can't talk too much about, but yeah, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's awesome. It's a pleasure to work with their team, honestly. Um, and encouraging as well, because the conversations that we have with people that are very, you know, web two or in not at all in the NFT space, like, uh, the team at UCA are able to um, translate things really well to them. And yeah, it's great. That's awesome. No, I mean, it's, it's always good to, you know, add fresh, you know, people to the team and new ideas and people that know different people and can make things happen. Um, oh, look, that's I think awesome. so too. Yeah. Also, yeah. I will say like, you know, many of the people that are doing very, very well in this space are very well connected, you know, come from Silicon Valley, um, already very wealthy, all of those things. That's not me. I'm, I'm not that person. Like I, you know, we've run agencies that have provided creative work to corporations, but very much behind the scenes, we've been silent vendors. I'm, I don't know you know, the people that all of these other people know. Well, I do now, obviously, but um, it's it's great because it's like having someone in your corner um, that recognizes the vision and the value and what Dead Fellas mm-hmm. is capable of. Um, yeah, so it's good. That's great. And uh, what do you, what what kind of future stuff do you want to see from Dead Fellas? What's like your like one year, five year plan kind of thing? Oh God, I want not to be a, house, a household name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a household name. I think I want to bridge um, bridge the NFT space with the the real life, um, mm-hmm. you know, branding space, and I want to expand into various kinds of media. We are already doing that um, behind the scenes, and that's really fun um, just to see that develop because it's a funny thing. You've you've kind of got to build with the long-term and future on these very, very long-term projects Mm. silently and then constantly be putting out new things and new announcements and all of this stuff to keep up with the space that, um, you know, people are used to the NFT space moving at um, in order to stay relevant and to stay innovative and to keep pushing things along. Um, So it's kind of building two things at the same time at all times, uh, which is a, yeah. a funny balance, but it's, it's fun. It keeps things interesting and we're always doing something new. Cool. No, that's, that's really interesting and good perspective. It's cool to hear, you know, how you guys think about that kind of stuff. I'm actually looking around. I see Odell Beckham Jr. Has his profile picture is a fellow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a really it's- great, uh, amazing surprise. Him and all of his immediate circle just one day bought up uh, purple furs and made that their thing. And I oh, think wow. that that's a really cool example of, uh, you know, how subcultures can be born within these NFT projects as well. Um, yeah, that's yeah, really cool. Yeah. They made nice. purple furs a moment, which is, it's really interesting to see how people can do that. And as far as, cause you're talking about community for a bit there and I'm curious, how do you keep, cause you guys have had a, you know, a solid, strong community since really when you launched in August and it's been, I don't know, August, September, January, February, March, seven <laughs> months. Yeah. I had to do a little counting seven months, you know, and that's not easy to do to be relevant for seven months in the NFT space. You know, people don't realize how like hard that is. And, you know, to, to have a strong community behind you, 
um, you know, and, and to even have like a steady floor, like is impressive. Um, so what, you know, do you have any like tips as far as, you know, how to build a strong community or how to, uh, you know, keep your project up for months after selling out for maybe people that are wanting to start their own project listening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can't speak to the floor price because it honestly, it goes up and down for me. It's, it, it's fair. It's, when I look at it in terms of where we're at now compared to where we started, there's clear growth there and there's a clear trajectory. The day-to-day thing and the way that the markets are you know, impacted by sources and inputs that we couldn't possibly understand or have control over, it means that if you focus on that as a founder, you're going to go insane, you're going to lose your mind and you're going to become um, you know, really disheartened really quickly. And you can't build in reaction to that. You have to build in preparation for what's next. So you have to build to your own vision. You know, it's, it's less about reacting and more about preempting. Um, in terms of keeping the community strong, I think that it goes back to if you're going to launch a project, it has to be about something that you're passionate about. You have to be filling a gap that you yourself think needs to be filled because there will be other people that feel that same way. You need to remain passionate about it because there are really, really, really hard, hard days and it's easy for people to, yeah, just, just give up, I think, and lose that, that drive and that momentum. Nobody can build something through hard times successfully if they don't care about it or they're not passionate about it. So really identifying what you value, bringing that to your community and focusing on them because they bring the most value. They're your primary marketers. They're your primary source of inspiration all of it. It's a mutual value exchange and recognizing the value in your community and bringing them as much value as you can in terms of experience, belonging, you know, all of that is really important. And it goes back to that point that I made before about building in parallel constantly, even while we're doing all of the smaller activations that, you know, announcements and collaborations and things that keep going, you then still need to go a level below that as well and focus on community activations. You know, how are you engaging your community? Who's moderating your project? Do your values align? How can they feel involved? How can they be involved? Um, how can they be seen and heard? There's, there's lots to think about all the time, but it's, I think, the number one thing that I would focus on over everything else prior to launching a project is connecting with people on a real level, like not followers, not any of that, just find your people and lift them up. What about building a team? Because you really can't do everything alone, right? If it was just you and your husband, you know, that would just be rough. You know, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that would be crazy, <laughs> right? It's just, I mean, and a lot of people are out here roughing it. It's just them, you know, it's just, you know, it's a solo act, which is never ideal, obviously. But, you know, if you can build a team, then that's super nice. I had a get through your personal assistant to book you on this podcast. So that's how I know you're definitely busy and you're definitely like, you know, organized with everything. Um, But can you speak about having like a strong team when it comes to creating a successful project? Yeah, totally. I think that in terms of launching a project, like you can do that yourself. uh, Definitely. If you wanted to. Um, But I mean, in Psych and I, we were just ourselves. We had our two devs. We had um, the mods that came in really early that we knew from before Dead Fellas. So Mortem, our community manager, and Proxy and C Solo, they came in 
before Mint and, and started helping us out moderating, we trusted them and we knew that they understood what we were all about. So it was uh, an easy thing to do. And then it just grew naturally like that. You can't wear all the hats and you'll go crazy. So it's and it's a funny thing, actually, hiring um, with Web3 in mind uh, to build out a corporate structure, because that's kind of at the end of the day, like a lot of these projects, if you're going to make it in the arena that we want to make it in, that's what you have to do. So it's balancing the two. Um, we found our COO, Holly Longoria, um, through our community. I saw her speaking one day about um, operations and uh, I messaged her and I was, you know, kind of prying a little bit and getting some background and discovered that she was actually an amazing um operations officer at um you know a huge 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 company in the US and but I'd I'd known her in web3 for the entire time that I'd been there and and she was amazing in that arena as well so it was like wow I have found a unicorn <laughs> that understands both so well um and that's a challenge honestly finding people that you can trust and finding people that have that deep understanding is hard but so necessary because yeah you need to be able to delegate I think that if you don't, uh, things, you know, you'll drop balls and, and things will not be executed well. Um, there's a job that you can do well yourself or you can hire the person that does that job on a professional level. Um, and I think that's the difference between maybe success and um, just kind of squeezing through. Yeah. And maybe you get burnt out if you try to do it all yourself and then. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you could work, technically you could work 24 hours a day in this space. It never stops. It never sleeps because it's worldwide. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. global. Like you have to have really firm boundaries for yourself. Um, how accessible you are as well. There's a lot. Yeah. A hundred percent. As you, as you grow more and more, you know, of an audience and, and people knowing who you are, more and more people reaching out, you know, asking things of you, wanting to know information, just it, yeah, it can definitely, I feel that it can definitely become overwhelming, you know, and it's like, yeah, you, you try your best, but you can only do so much as one person. No, that's it. And you have to like, if I, I feel bad saying no, but you have to get used to saying no. If I let everyone pick my brain that asked me, I would not have any brain left to pick. Like mm-hmm. you just have to have that that clear boundary and know that, you know, you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah, that that is something that I'm working on. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like I think <laughs> way too many things. Like it's ridiculous and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely working on that. My sister tells me that. She's like, you need to just like take some time <laughs> to chill and not, you know. But the, the weekends for me, like Saturdays are like my days where I really try to do nothing related to Web3. So then I, I feel a little better, like, you know, kind of doing Web3 related things all day yeah. like the other days. So yeah. I usually take Monday mornings. Uh, Monday mornings in Australia are a Sunday night in um, mm. the Northern Hemisphere. And so that's like my time Monday morning where I'm like, you know, I get to kind of center myself for the rest of the week. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. Sometimes the best thing you can do is say no. That's it. And, you know, yeah. Bobby Hundreds, um, my friend recently said, I, think, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was like success is defined by your ability to say no. And I think mm. that that's so true because 
you know, the amount of opportunities that get thrown our way are wild and I'm so grateful for them. But if I said yes to everything, my brand would be completely diluted and, you know, there would be no clear path and no clear vision. It's so important to be able to contain that and stay true to it. Yeah. We don't even get it nearly to the level that you do, but we get, we, we still constantly get asked like people to come on and, I get oh, messages like, yeah. yeah, for the pod or like they, I, people are like, Hey, can I get you to like, how much does it cost for you to like endorse my collection? And I'm just like, I don't do that. I don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> you know? I, I like having the power and the control of like choosing who gets to come on and like, not, you know, you can't like pay your way on the show. It's like, I don't know. Like, I think it's kind of more fun that way. And I think our audience, you know, probably appreciates things being more genuine and knowing that, you know, you can't buy your, your way on. No, that's um, it. That's so great. It's authentic and it's true. And that's how, that's what people respond to. Like gone are the days of algorithms and paid promotion. Like it's, it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about VCon? You're going to be speaking at VCon. I am. I am. Um, no, I can't talk, talk much about, I can't talk much about VCon, but um, I'm going to be at VCon. I'm going to be in and around VCon. Um, I've got a little cheeky thing that um, I can give to the horde, any any of the Dead Fellas holders that are um, in town, uh, some of them at least. So we've got a couple of things on. I'm looking forward to connecting with people. Um, you know, I would argue that a lot of the people that I speak to day to day are like some of my best friends now and I've never even met them. So Wow. I'm very excited to connect with people um, in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people's case. It's like, you know, being friends on the internet and then it's like, well, now you're, now it's time to meet in person. Like Michael and I met in person at an event and we had like never even met before that. And it was yep. like, I was like, what the heck? How are you like six feet tall? And I'm like <laughs> five foot two. We look the same height over the camera here. Uh, oh, anyway. <laughs> Okay, so Michael, do you have any closing questions for Betty as we kind of uh, come towards the end here? No, I think I asked the ones that I really wanted to ask. I mean, I I was really cool hearing your perspective and hearing a lot of the things you had to say and how you go about, you know, running the project and, and keeping it on track and your vision for the future and and all that stuff is really interesting to hear. A lot of kudos for how it's been run. You know, there's like 6,200 is a lot of people uh, for a 10,000 person collection. That's really great. And, uh, yeah. you know, nothing but respect. I don't, I don't know if I have a closing question. Thank you very much. Yeah. Going on that, going on that hold, that whole comment, like it's a funny metric now because with the allow list thing that's happened recently, um, you know, to combat gas wars and all of that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not really a metric that we can use anymore, but we can still use it for the projects that came out, you know, mid to early last year. Because um, yeah. it's, it's so funny. Um, but we still do, or you still, still still see people like, oh, look at the holders. But it's it's funny, again, how the space changes. Yeah, it's a bit different, you're saying, because, right, they can they can spread it out a little more these days. Uh, because of how they did the drop mechanics. I know what you're saying. Well, yeah. So if you have most of your project allow listed and say each person can only have one or two, right. um, it's naturally going to have a very large hold account because there's 
so many people that are interested. Um, I think we were one of the only projects at the at the time of launch and maybe since then that actively avoided hype. Like I was so under the radar. I did not want gas wars. You know, people, when we minted out, I mean, we still minted out in 20 minutes, but when we minted out, people were like, what, what is this? I've never even heard of it. What's going mm. on? Which was how funny. Do you think, how do you think the word got out there? How do you think like, uh, was it like, just like the OGs in the community knew about it and told people? Um, it was the adoption of it through artists. Um, we're a very art focused collection. Psych uh, uh-huh. is a digital artist. And so those, those communities that had formed um, around artists just quickly adopted, adopted mm. us, I guess, and, and saw what we were doing. Um, yeah. Gong Yang and the ghosts community, Klon and the cool cats community, both very early supporters. Okay. Um, Lerona and Fuckrender and all of those people, people that we really admire, um, Justin Maller, like OG digital artist. There's lots of people yeah. just saw what was happening and, and okay. I think and the, through there the, it spread. The, the price was right, obviously, as Jennifer said, 025. Um, yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you remember how many holders you had when it sold out? I think it was just over 3,000. Okay. Yeah. That grew Maybe. a lot since then. then. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's still um, a nice number. I mean, Bored Apes had like 1,200 people or something when it sold out, I think, you know? Yeah, and um, yeah. the way that that metric shifts over time on the collections that didn't have those allow lists, um, I think is a really interesting and powerful thing to look at. But now it's hard to to look yeah. at that. Um, and yeah. even then, you know, how many wallets are held by the same person? There's so many things. It's a funny thing trying to make sense of anything in the NFT space, right. to be honest. It is. Well, now they sell out and they'll have, you know, 7,900 and then, and, and a week later it'll be down, it'll be down to 6,000, you know, it consolidates <laughs> yeah. like it's, it goes yeah. the opposite way. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's funny seeing patterns arise. Um, I think we'll see that continue to shift. I've got no idea what's going to happen when more and more people enter the space, but um, I guess it's just to be seen. Yeah, right. It's to be seen. Yeah, it's gone are the days where you, can just, yeah. you just release your project and it, boom, somebody can literally admit <laughs> like hundreds, like, you know, like Pranksy minting 1,200 board apes, like yep. they couldn't do that. Well, well, there's, there's actually projects like that every single day. You could go mint hundreds of them if you want, but they're maybe not, they're not the, the best project. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not the popular, popular ones. ones. The popular ones, they do yeah. the allow list because that also helps them gain more popularity and traction. Right. They, it, it makes, it makes people feel like they're, they're part of something early and they get a chance to mint early. Here, right. here's permission to buy my project. Uh-huh. That no, nobody, wa- that nobody of, wants uh, to buy. Yeah. I want to spend my money on your project. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, I I think, exploitatory psychology used in this space in terms of, um, yeah, creating intentional FOMO, closed discords and all of that stuff. Like, I don't know. I have thoughts on all of it, but. (laughs) Yeah, I think people need to have, man, we need some type of um, NFT psychologists or something to like come in and 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 just be like, guys, if people are doing this, they're trying to make you feel this. And you know, <laughs> I don't know because everyone's so emotional, and by na- you know, obviously we're humans, so you know we're naturally emotional beings. But it's hard to kind of tap into being a little bit more logical with things and realizing, okay, what are they trying to do here? You know, what what's the 
you know, what is the truth and kind of seeing beyond just the glaze that people put over of like the hype and the FOMO and it's like, what's really there? And then, you know, you combine, I mean, it's so many different worlds that are so juxtaposed. Like you've got this crypto day trading, like gambling type side. And then you've got like art, art people people that are collecting art for art's sake and you've and there's all these different kinds of people coming together and it's like how does that make sense it doesn't make any sense but it's fun um (laughs) got no idea (laughs) yeah I don't think I think people try and make sense of it a lot and I don't think there's sense to be made I think it's just it is what it is (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's it's just chaotic here nothing to see here folks just chaos that's it yeah and then you've got I was actually speaking to um, another founder this morning who was having a hard time and saying like, cause they were trying to make sense of it. And I'm like, you can't, you just can't like we're trying to build and we are building stable products and brands um, and, and projects that are expected to be steady through this crazy volatile market with so many different things that are impacting it at all times for no, for reasons we can't even conceive. Like there's so many things that happen behind the scenes and, you know, and we're still there building this product that's stable and real. And it's, it's a funny place to be sometimes. Yeah, it truly is. Well, thank you, Betty, so much for coming on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Michael and I will both be at VCon. Uh, so we're looking forward to meeting you in person. I guess I'll ho- hopefully you have like a little sticker or something of your dead fellow. So I know who to look for. Um, <laughs> Or I'll just try to linger around and hear people's voices and be like, oh my God, that sounds like Betty. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, it's going to be definitely an interesting thing being under the radar at first because no one knows like who I am or what I look like. Like to walk around and not be not be known or seen uh, will be quite funny. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah. I'll see you there. I'll see you first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you find us? Because that would be more helpful. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Betty, Betty underscore NFT on Twitter. Um, and also dead fellas, check them out. Um, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.